Welcome to Run This World. My name is Nicole DeBoom. I'm a former pro athlete turned entrepreneur. Each week, I'll bring you insights and inspiration from some of the world's greatest visionaries who will help you run your world in ways that you didn't even realize were possible. All in the framework of the amount of time it takes for the average person to run a 5K. That's 36 minutes and 38 seconds, give or take a mile. We often go long, so get ready. Thank you for spending some time with me today. Now let's get this workout started. Hey everyone, it is 2019. Yes, 2019. Seriously, 2019. What are you doing this year? What amazing things are going to happen in your lives? And here's the big question. Did you write anything down yet? See, I don't care if you call them resolutions, goals, intentions, bucket list items, or whatever. I know it's cliche because we can truly do this any time in the year, but I personally use the new year as a time to dig a little deeper. Um, I think about the things that align with who I want to be, and then I write them down. And writing them down has always been the trick for me because when I write things down, I do them. And it's funny because I'm often surprised. I shouldn't be, but I'm like pleasantly surprised at the end of the year when I pull out my list and I see that I actually did the things that I wrote down that I said I was going to do. So last year, for instance, I wrote down three goals. They were learn to surf. That was sort of a body fitness goal. Plan and commit to day dates with Tim. That was more of a personal and relationship goal. And turn off screens one hour before bed. And that was more of like a, I don't know, just a betterment goal, right? (laughs) But getting better sleep. So here's how it went. I learned to surf. I learned last February how to surf. I'm going back to surf again in a week. Um, I made day dates a priority, with Tim. I did. We didn't do them every single week, but we did day dates. And I occasionally turned off my computer one hour before bed. That didn't happen quite as much, but I, at least I'm thinking about it. So right now, as a new year is upon us, I encourage you to think about who you are, who you want to be, and then identify your goals, your intentions, your wish list items that align with who that person is and write them down. So this year, one of the things that I plan to work on more is my own empowerment. I recently took a free self-defense class at Way of the Crane Martial Arts in Boulder. Uh, It was hosted by Newton Running, you know, the running shoe company, also based in Boulder. Cool people over there. And uh, when I got there, there was a group of women kind of nervously standing around. I was one of them because you don't know what to expect. And there was this woman, the sensei, Melanie Murphy, and she was fantastic. She was strong and bold. And in just one hour, she made us feel stronger and bolder too. I, I pretty much knew immediately when she started talking that I needed to get her on the podcast. And I think you'll, you'll understand why. Uh, We recorded this episode a couple weeks ago, and I decided her message was the perfect way to start the new year. So get ready. Coming soon. 
She does have some free classes on her calendar, on the Way of the Korean calendar every month. Um, they're one-hour classes, and she also does a four-hour intensive class that I believe the goal is to drive home what you learn in that one hour and just repeat it, repeat it, repeat it, so it starts to become second nature. and You really get something out of it. You start to have like reflexes to help defend yourself. So if you're in Colorado, it's a great opportunity for you to gain strength and confidence. Um, so check out her website, wayofthecrane.com for more info. But two more things before we start. Number one, this episode has its fair share of swear words. So please check your surroundings when listening. Um, i.e. if you have little ones who you don't want to hear those words, then make sure you don't play this episode near them. Uh, number two, to enhance your strength and empowerment this year, Skirt Sports is offering you 20% off your orders through March, all the way through March 2019. Just use the code RUN20. If you are not familiar with Skirt Sports, you need to be it is the company that I founded in 2004 because I wanted clothing that didn't ride up, didn't chafe, that fit my body, and that was cute. So all the way back then, I figured out how to start a clothing company, and then I did it. See, I probably wrote that down on a piece of paper, start a clothing company, and then a year later, I looked at it, and I was like, I did it. Anyway, over the years, we have grown and evolved, and today we offer a full line of women's athletic apparel that fits women's bodies and makes us feel good. So be sure to use the code RUN20. Uh, we are launching all sorts of incredibleness this season. All right, now that your body is all empowered and your mind is all excited to get some goals on paper, let's get Melanie on for the first podcast episode of 2019. Have you done a podcast interview no. before? Oh my gosh, no. welcome. I'm so excited to be your inaugural. Absolutely. You know, we're popping the podcast cherry. Yes, we are. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, baby. All right. So Melanie, so good to have you on today. Thanks for making the big commute to South Boulder. Oh, yeah. Um, you've been in Boulder a long time. So, you know, of course, I've researched a bit online of what you do, I met you before I did the research, um, but I didn't realize you own have owned Way of the Crane since, what, 89? Yes. Wow. I started my martial arts in 75. Okay, so maybe we'll back up. What is Way of the Crane? Way of the Crane is a martial arts school that you can come in for 10 weeks or 10 years. So, um, it's full service. So we go into the real study of the martial arts, not just the play, not so much the sport. Okay, what's the play and uh, what's the sport versus the, the study? Yeah, so the play is more like you come in and your nine-year-old can get a black belt. Oh. So it's it's studios that are more commercialized. Okay. And... Their goal is to sign you up for three or four years and you become, you know, an expert and then you uh, are off on your way. Here, it takes about 15 to 17 years to get a black belt. 
Oh, wow. And only adults test for black. Okay, so like I understand what I think I understand what you're saying, but would it be demoralizing for someone to be like, I've been here for like 12 years, I don't even have a black belt? Like, do they have to understand the process or is it not about getting the belts? It's not about getting the belts. It's about learning what you need to learn to go to the next step to learn what you need to learn. So it's it's so, you no know, people look back and go, oh my God, I've been here for 12 years and I've got so much more to learn. Oh, wow, I love that. So yeah. it's all about setting the foundation, but then all the different layers of foundation that go on top of it. Right, so a true musician doesn't just learn how to play the instrument and a couple of songs and then quit. A true musician picks up their instrument over and over and over our instrument is our body. Okay, uh-huh. so people that come in and learn the the movement and then what goes behind the physics and the reason why this move works opposed to that move and why this would be much more efficient in a combat situation, but this is more beautiful in a dance situation. So we do something called kata, which is a martial art dance. So I came into the martial arts from a dance background and I was really attracted to it because this dance incorporates power, speed, athleticism, different than a dancer, and dancers are fabulous athletes. You know, but they're all about grace, but how about some power in there? How about moves that my body is learning on a repetition basis to become systemic instead of just peripheral? You see, so a a real artist doesn't just learn the craft and do a few things and then quit. And there are so few real artists when you really boil down the pot, you know? Musicians don't always make the status of Paul McCartney and right. Eric Clapton, but lots of people still pick up their in, their guitar. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I love this concept. I'm thinking about it from an athlete perspective too. Um, you know, a lot of people have a goal, like let's go run a marathon or a 5K, you know, or mm-hmm. whatever, and they do it and they're done. But the people who go beyond that, they at some point you realize that you can always improve That's right. and you can't necessarily always get faster like as our bodies get older but you can always improve something that's exactly right and so it's that's one of the things that i almost find like i don't know if tragic is the right word or like it's this sort of um masochistic side of sport we keep going aiming to be our best but what is the best there is no best because you can always be better in some way Well, and better in some way could mean, okay, instead of going full force, I maybe relax these miles, you know? Right, and And that's just as important. That's exactly right. So it's the aspects, the different aspects of true um, art and mastery. Yeah, and I think I'm starting to understand, like, what drives you. You know, like this is sort of a big picture philosophy that you're putting out there right now. Correct. 
So let's go back. You mentioned 1975. You began your martial arts journey, right? Correct. What got you there? Um, I was the victim of two crimes as a teenager. Um, in 1972, we didn't have a nice name like date rape. You know, it was it was undefinable. It was unexplainable. Um, it was unaccountable. So I was assaulted by somebody I was on a date with, and he rocked my world in so many different ways. And then about a year and a half later, I accepted a ride from somebody I thought I knew, and he ended up kidnapping me and taking me about 300 miles away from where I got into his car because I thought I knew him. And uh, he told me he was going to do some really horrible things to me. And I heard a voice. I know angels exist. I heard a voice, and that voice said, make him laugh and hit him in the throat. And I was like, what a weird message, you know? So I looked at him and I said, if you touch me, I'm going to kill you. And he threw his head back laughing, and my elbow hit him several times in the throat, and it was like beyond my control. I mean, I wasn't doing it. My elbow just started like hitting this guy, knocked him out, and I got out of the car and got help. Oh my, okay, so much to uh, both of these stories. First of all, like, I am so sorry that you had to experience that as a teenager. Well, you know what? I think sometimes dark angels come in to show us our silver linings. Wow. Because these two men catapulted me into a black hole and then i was dancing with a company and everybody noticed you know some basic part of my foundation had been crumbled and a really dear friend of mine in the dance company said melanie i think you need to learn how to fight and i said what i'm a dancer i'm not a fighter and he went no this is a pretty fascinating thing and he took me to my first dojo wow and it was full of these sweaty big men kicking and punching and grunting and i was the only woman and, and you they, were young so I, I was right? 20 i wow. was 20 years old mm -hmm. and really damaged i mean i have to recognize how damaged i was going into that environment can we can we talk about that for a minute? Sure. Um, how old were you when the first incident happened, the date rape? Oh, about 16. Oh, my gosh. Okay. So did you tell anyone? I tried to, but nobody believed me. I mean, it and was you know, 1972. It was, yeah, and I was a slut, and, you know, I shouldn't have been where I was, and it was total victim blaming. Mm -hmm. So I shut up. And you like, felt you know, very alone. You didn't know anyone else with this um, kind of experience? No. And, you know, some of my real hippie friends gave me compassion and, you know, more of, wow, what do you do with this kind of stuff? But there was nothing. There are no counselors or, you know, Mesa. There was none of that kind of help. So I, uh, I pretty much became... A cynic. <laughs> yeah. I mean, did you, you know? did you end up with trust issues? What'd you do when you saw this guy again? 
I completely ignored him. I, I could not get far enough away from him. And mm-hmm. luckily, his father was transferred, and he was gone probably four months after the incident. Wow. Yeah. You know, with um, the Me Too movement coming you know, really becoming strong in the last couple of years, did that uh, re-trigger anything for you? No, No. I'm over it. You're over it. I'm so over it. So how, okay, this is something I think is important because people listening have experiences like this. That's exactly right. How do you get over it? You learn how to fight. And you go back and you rescue that innocent person that was the victim of somebody else's disease. Oh, yeah. Okay. So what predator, no, the predators have the disease. They wanted to smother you in their disease. So what it causes, and this is such an interesting way to look at the word, what their disease causes in me is tremendous dis-ease. And then that dis-ease can create sickness in me. Mm Mm-hmm. And so we have to get rid of that by going, first of all, I'm going to make sure this never happens to me again on any level that I can be invaded. I want to know how to combat that level of invasion. You know, you mentioned when we took the uh, self-defense class, um, when you led this incredible one-hour self-defense class, and we learned so much, we'll get into that towards the end here we'll give you guys some links to cool things you're doing now but um you mentioned that women can be more susceptible after they've already been attacked and i wondered like is how deep and dark did you go in the dark places afterwards before you were able to pull yourself out i went pretty dark i mean you know i experienced more drugs at that time i wasn't respecting my body mm-hmm. I was um, totally turned off by anybody trying to be affectionate to me. You know, it was like, how can I layer myself so you don't even want to touch me? Right. Um, And then I think it's learning, for me, my path back was learning how to physically express my frustration and my anger and my my disappointment and my lack of trust in someone else. If I don't trust you, I could hit you. But what I need to do is trust me not to have to hit you because I'm taking care of me. So you're not going to misbehave. Wow, yes. You know, so you turn that circle all the way around and go, oh, if I really know how to protect this bag of water and bones, that I live in right now, I have to know I have to honor it and protect yours as well. Yeah. So behave correctly. Do not cross my line. And I'm one of the greatest people you ever want to know. And I feel that from you. Yeah. And do you think that's an aura people pick up or do you have to interact with them for them to see that about you? Oh, I have no idea. I have no idea. (laughs) Well, maybe that's your answer because you haven't been preyed upon since you developed that. Right, right. Well, there is. So I had one woman write a a beautiful card after she had taken my full weekend class. And she said, you know, I feel like every morning I can wake up and put on my asshole repellent. (laughs) 
Right? So think about that. Think about that, the power that that gives just your aura if you're talking auras. Oh my God. You know, I'm like that bug zapper. You are a creepazoid. You come anywhere near me and you're just going to evaporate. Oh, it's so awesome. Having that kind of image about your place in the world. Yeah. Oh my God. And really being able to back it up. Yes. So everybody goes, well, just act like you're confident. Well, if you're just acting, then you're not. Right. So that confidence has to be systemic, not peripheral. Right? So the predator picks up on some sense. He, They have brilliant uh, part of their... I don't know, ways of finding their victims is so clever. You know, you take a lot of people are assaulted by people they're supposed to trust. Right, yeah. You know, and we have a lot of grown adults that have not met that challenge of of that issue in their lives. And I don't know how that's not helping them encapsulate fully the life they could have. Right. That's true. Have you done a lot of work and research on the predator's psyche and mentality? Absolutely. It's the only way we can know is to know the enemy. Let's talk about it. Tell us like what, when should flags be raised? I mean, is there, are there any signs? Yes. If somebody is intimidating you, they are manipulating you. If you feel manipulated, it's because you were intimidated. So these two things are hand in hand. Once you start to feel, everybody knows what intimidation is, right? The other issue is predators like to imitate, like they're they're better than they're your dream person. They're your greatest confidant. They're like overwhelming you with either them or their opinion and love of you. And it's like, wait a minute, you've only known me for 10 minutes. You can't possibly love me that much yet, that much yet, mm-hmm. right? So imitators, people who, uh, are kind of the thief of your heart or your finances or somebody who actually puts you in a position of obligation, which is also intimidation. Yes. Okay. We are manipulated on so many different levels. And this isn't just an issue about men against women or women against men. It's this is a crime that people commit against humanity. Because many men, young boys, are victims of inappropriate behavior. Yep. However that inappropriate behavior affected them, whether it was actually a sexual assault or fondling or doing something against your will, all of those things add up to dis-ease. Yes, Right. Yep. So we have to have some way of of venting that, and I think therapies are great, but the martial arts and streetwise is more of a physical outlet that is healthy. 
you know, and I've had a lot of women come out of there just like, oh my God, I feel like I've lost 300 pounds, 300 emotional pounds, poof, gone, you know, because now I've just gotten that. Well, it's like any kind of athlete that does something that releases those endorphins and that, that just that buzz of what you just did performers give it writers all these different artists you creating your clothes all of those things that go on and spark our brains that's what gives us health yes and long-term good brains spark it up man spark it up spark it up okay wow i want to talk a little bit about um like natural reflex because the second part of your like shitty background story is um, an abduction in a car. You know, again, maybe you were still or putting off that sort of damaged aura or you were still self-medicating. You weren't healed yet, I take it, when this happened. But you had some kind of crazy reflex that you say is a voice. And yeah, maybe that's part of it, but like it was in you. So maybe take us through a little more like, I also actually want to help people for different scenarios they may be put in. So if somebody is put in that scenario, maybe help walk them through what you naturally knew to do. Wow, that's a big one. It's huge. Okay, so probably because I have a dance background, I'm already in my temple, I'm already in my instrument. Mm-hmm that that was not complicated for me at all. I think what the natural instinct is to fight. But if we don't know how, we stall. And in that stall, when you're trying to figure out, man, I really want to hit this guy, but I don't know how, that gains him the time that you just lost in a matter of seconds he can overtake you so one of the things i was saying in that hour was if somebody grabs you you've got 10 seconds and you better know what to do how to do where to do and then people do you know it's just like if i said to you go fix my car And you're like, I don't know anything about cars. I don't know how to fix your car. You look up the hood and you look in there and you go, yeah, it's a car. But I don't know what to do. And then your 10 seconds are gone. Right. (laughs) And you've moved on to someone else. (laughs) Yes, right. So if you know what to do, it's like CPR. It's like first aid. Everybody, those are life skills. Mm -hmm. Self-defense should be a life skill. Self-defense should be something we put our children into just to have the concept of your body has authority. Your body has the the capacity and the authority to be its own guardian. Okay? And too many children count on uh, people, fathers, dad, you know, whoever to protect them. No, let's give you some real autonomy here. And this is your vessel, and you have to be responsible for it, just like we teach our kids how to bathe and brush their teeth and eat good food and, you know, go to sleep on time. All those good habits create healthy adults. So getting kids into the mindset of 
not allowing forced affection. So forced affection is like you tell your child, you go hug Uncle Billy. And your kid goes, I don't like Uncle Billy. And you go, no, you go hug Uncle Billy. Well, as the good mother, I should go, wait a minute. What do you mean you don't like Uncle Billy? Then you don't go hug him. Well, Uncle Billy gives me the creeps, Mom. Okay, then you don't touch him and you come talk to me about what creepy things uh, he's doing. (laughs) Yeah. Right? So we start listening and validating. Instead of telling our children to go receive or facadely give affection that is not sincere. Yes. So we all of a sudden have this concept in those young, beautiful, sparking up brains going, oh, for Uncle Blah Blah, I have to let him hug me because that's the right thing to do for him, even though it's the wrong thing to do for me. Whoa, there's so much power in that statement. Right. So we teach our children as mothers that stand up for, no, you don't let anybody hug you that you don't want to hug back. And then you make sure those hugs are appropriate hugs. But affection has to be reciprocal. And too many of us as children were taught It was something I had to do, even though I didn't want to. Wow. I love this. And that's where the breakdown happens. That Then I go on a date and I go, well, you know, oh, this guy's hand is up my shirt and he wants to touch my tits. And I have to care more about him wanting to touch my tits than me protecting him because they're my tits. Right. Okay. And maybe you don't like him that much. Right. But I'm in the situation and he's he's like saying he likes me. And then I have to do something so that he'll keep liking me. And if I let him do this, will he like me more? So you all of a sudden set up when this child was like three or four years old that someone else is right to being on their bodies was more important than their feelings of get the fuck off my body yeah absolutely it and you know what you through that whole process it had nothing to do with whether you liked him at all right it was all responsive that's exactly right and you know i i have been a hug pusher go give grandma and grandpa a hug and you know I need to watch that. But this is a big lesson for me. Yes. Yeah, so you say to her, do you want to go give them a hug? Do you want to get a hug from grandpa? Do, you, gra- want to? do yeah. you want to get a hug from grandpa? Yeah. And she goes, oh, that's up to me. Yes. You that gives me it. autonomy. And power. And, well, the autonomy the leads thing. to power. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. Power has so many exponentials and components power isn't just one thing. So if we really want to empower, which is such a huge vessel to me, so many things need to go into that. Maybe your empowerment is that triathlon. Maybe your empowerment is writing a story or singing, composing your own piece of music. I don't know what that is, but I say go for it. Because the more you do what makes you, you, the more you can protect who that you is. I hope that made sense. (laughs) 
made it because this is the only thing I've got. Right. This is it, man. The point bag of water. You are the one who's responsible for For figuring out how to control and empower yourself. Yes. Nobody else can do it for you. No, but your parents can guide you. Absolutely. So you have two kids. They're grown. Yes. Did you empower them? I hope so. Did you do right? Did you do wrong? Like share with us what you could have done differently or would advise us with as parents of younger kids. Okay. Or even older kids because you can learn anytime, right? Yep. Absolutely. And kids are different at so many ages. But one of the things I did very early on, especially with my daughter, was that she could wash her own body. I will sit here and be with you while you're in the bath, but this is your body and you wash. And I'll help you learn how but my job is not to wash your personal places. That's your job. Okay, same with a male. It's like, this is yours, and it's not mine, and my hands don't belong on you now because you're no longer in diapers, right? And this is how you do it, and this is yours. So wash your own pajama. pajamas i love it new word um love that yeah so part of that is oh again establishing that whole mindset of this is mine and Mm -hmm. i'm in control of helping it grow and keeping it clean and make sure my insides are healthy and my brain is sparking you know it's all of those really great habits that parents need to establish earlier Mm -hmm. rather than later so then you get you know the established privacy so until you are old enough to do this by yourself i will be here i can have the curtains closed and you know but i'm here But as soon as you're big enough and you can do this by yourself and you're safe, I leave and I close the door and you do not come into doors without knocking first. I have my privacy in the bathroom and you have your privacy in the bathroom. And again, that sets up that safe place for them to care for their bodies. Yep. You know, on a really great level that all of a sudden it establishes that love. Oh, this is me. Mm -hmm. Oh, I like me. You know, so it's just. um, I love this. That foundation of owning, owningness, right? Yeah. Because too many parents, you know, okay, here's another example. Blow your own nose. Good one. Thank you. You learn how to blow <laughs> your own nose. I'm going to play this podcast. Not all of it. <laughs> just one little snippet for my kid. Yeah. Blow your own nose. You are old enough to take care of your own snot. <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, come on. It's like, I'm tired of this already. Yeah. And if you want to be gross, be gross. But if you want to blow your nose, this is how you do it. Look at, I do it. I can do it for you. You can do it for you. Right. I love that. It's just, 
empowering them from day one. And this idea of body love, this is something that women need early because pretty much every woman loses it during formative years because our bodies are doing all kinds of crazy stuff. And then hopefully we get it back. It'd be great if no one ever lost it. Wouldn't that be phenomenal? Amazing. You just yes. embrace every stage you're in. That's exactly right. That's my goal for my little one. Well, and Boom. you know, it just makes me mad that here I am in my 60s and there are girls doing anti-wrinkle commercials uh-huh. uh, that are in their, what, 12 years old. I and know. wait a minute, my wrinkles prove that I have a face. And I smile and I frown and I do whatever. Why are we so afraid I know. of the stages? Yep. You By know? the way, your skin looks really good. I was just thinking about oh. how clear and clear, <laughs> unwrinkled it looks. So well, you've got some you. youth on your side. Um, wow. Okay. So lots going on here. Um, there's, there's an area that I want to make sure we hit on. There's a couple areas. First, I actually want to I want to talk about your own personal badassery, because on the website, I don't know if it's still accurate, but you tell me it says you are one of two women in the U.S. or the um, world. That was quite a long time ago. Okay, so I'm sure there are many more now. Well, and, yeah. And what is that stat? Um, that was my first black belt was in 1983. And it said something about having a fourth degree black belt, and there are very few women with that. Um, I think in the NKA, the, the organization that gave me that. Um, but since then, the NKA has dissolved, and oh. I've I've gone on my own way. So, and the degrees of black belt are just not really important. You know, it's you take a look at my black belt, and you know there's a lot of work going in there. And too many people get a black belt and quit. True. Right? So you give a child, a 12-year-old, a black belt, and you know what are the chances? They think they're an expert at 12, that they're going to stay until they're 20 or whatever. Um, You can't test for black in my school without being with me for at least 12 years. Yep, that goes back. And being an adult. Yep. You have to be able to spend a weekend without your mommy. Yes, (laughs) Yes, <laughs> definitely. Well, because the point is like, you look like a normal person, not necessarily someone who could go out there and kick someone's ass. And I think that's like the ultimate weapon. Absolutely. It's like, it's my almost, disguise. Yeah. It's my superpower. <laughs> so like, how does it feel when you gain a skill level like that? Like, what are the physical things you can do? I don't know anything about the world of martial arts. The physical things you can do, anything you want. Right? So, and again, it depends on whether you want to do the long-term mastery, which entails so many things I wouldn't do in the self-defense. So the long-term mastery is mastering all the movement, all the katas, the sparring, the, the, the drill structure, the, and understanding in more depth how these things work according to the science of the martial arts. So you have science and art just really colliding beautifully. Yes. On the street and in streetwise, it's like CPR. The way the crane is like, you become whatever kind of doctor you want, but you're going to be here for a while to get good at what you want to do. You've signed up to, to be something. 
Streetwise is anybody can save somebody's life by knowing CPR or first aid. Streetwise is like immediate, I'm my first responder. I may only have to be my only responder. And I have to take care of this right now. Nobody's going to be here to do this for me. Got it. Okay. I am my own bodyguard and first responder. Way of the crane then is uh, that CPR person decided to go to medical school. Got it. And save somebody's life either way. Yes. And so what you're referring to are kind of like two different sort of class paths people can take through your business or in the different um, maybe philosophies that go with each. So streetwise is like a little maybe less time intensive, but like you get some basic skills. You probably have to practice them on your own. Yes. But then way of the crane is like, this is now a lifestyle for me. That's correct. You found a passion for this. Correct. Awesome. So let's talk more about this idea of fighting and maybe some of the things you teach and the things I learned. So back in the day, you said your friend noticed something had changed in you and said, it's time for you to get that back. Let's learn how to fight. So when you say the word fight, I mean, it seems aggressive and... I don't think uh, self-defense when I think fighting. I just think about like picking fights. It's like a mentality. Talk a little more about like what that means to you. I would never pick a fight. First of all, the last thing I ever want to do is really have to seriously hurt somebody. I want to get that out there. Okay. That is not what I want to have to do, but I will do it if I have to. Got it. Makes sense. Okay, Mm -hmm. so it's just like anybody else um, having some kind of emergency skills. You know, you you don't want to have your house catch on fire, but you have insurance. You know, you don't go out in your car and drive and expect a head-on collision, but you're insured. And if that happens, you know, hopefully things will turn out okay. So we have all of this insurance that we hope we don't have to have or use, but it's there in case. That's what self-defense is. And I will fight if I have to. But to me, fighting is something that I would have no choice to. I have to fight. This isn't something I'm going out and trying to instigate. This isn't something I'm looking for. I'm not going to be putting myself in more vulnerable or dangerous situations because I know how to fight. That's just ignorance, right? So once you start to learn these skills, you are so much more compassionate and maybe willing to let somebody get a little closer than you normally would because you go, I know how to deal with any parameter here so it's almost like knowing this helps me love the world more because now the world can't harm me so much the word confidence just came to my mind uh and it's got to be real it's got to be systemic not peripheral so we talked about confidence before and everybody can fake oh i'm really confident right right right. i'm I'm gonna Mm -hmm. walk to my car like i'm really confident and you're really pooping bricks (laughs) You know, (laughs) totally. And the predator picks up on your poop and bricks. 
He doesn't pick on, yeah, that is a joke right there. Right. That woman's really scared shitless and, and she's easy prey. Right. So the confidence is real. I don't even want to be a bleep on his radar. Yep. Got it. Um, you know, the, the reflex you had, do we all have that kind of reflex? The voice that told you make him laugh and hit him in the throat and why your elbow? Like, why don't you slam him with your fingers? You know, like, how did you know to do that? Um, I think the proximity of him, he was right next to me. He wasn't to cross. Mm-hmm. It was one of those bench seats. Mm-hmm. Yeah, great. <laughs> that we don't have anymore, right? So he had slid up to me. And, uh, you know, maybe the answer to that is listen to the voice. Mm. Hey, baby, we all have the voice. And women, I call it your Udar. Udar. Yeah, baby. You know how you feel things? way deep in that it's not my guts because it has nothing to do with my stomach it's my in the martial arts we call it the hara the prana the center the core you know all those names mean basically the same region of the body that's where you feel it and i think more people if they really listened to what the voice is telling them the good one that says take care of yourself you know, don't eat that or don't do this or do that. The things that we know we hear and sometimes we ignore, like how many times have you said, God, I knew I shouldn't have done that because you did it and now you realize you shouldn't have, but you knew before you shouldn't have done it. Right. You weren't in tune or you weren't listening. You either one, either one or both and you screw Mm -hmm. it up. Okay, so let's give some practical tips as much as we can. We know every situation is different. Right. But what happens if you have a little bit of that feeling or you're walking in an area where you start to have that feeling or you hear the voice? What do you do? Uh, you get out of there. And, and go to the nearest safe place. Wherever you think that is, go to the, near, to the nearest safe place and trust your own judgment on what you feel i would rather be wrong and alive than polite and dead yes well said okay sometimes being rude is right you know just saying to somebody back away you know not so close right Um, I recently had a student who was putting groceries in the back of her car and a man came up to her in a parking lot and he had a brown paper bag and there was something in the brown paper bag and he said, hey, could you smell this for me? And she went, back away, man, I'm not smelling what's in that bag. And she said, sensei, I heard you saying, don't you dare smell what's in that bag. And she said, if I hadn't experienced my time with you in the school, I probably would have gone over to him and said, oh, let me see what's in that bag. Kalunk or what's in that bag is going to knock you out. Oh, my God. That makes me almost sick hearing. Okay. So too many women Mm -hmm. are so trusting and our nature is to care for and help and assist and be nice Mm-hmm. You know, be nice. Well, maybe some situations you really don't have to be nice. 
you know? And of course he went away grumbling and she had no idea what was in that bag, but she was like, man, am I glad I knew better than to go over to him and look or smell what was in that paper bag. So that's success right there. That's self-defense. You know, that is going, what's wrong with this? Instead of the immediate, oh, you look like you could use some help or let me help you with what's Mm -hmm. a, no, hey, I'm, go ahead. Well, you said a couple times, back away. And when we were in class, that was kind of the statement. So what's the strength and power behind back off? Um, saying it, it from your fuck guts. Off, no, it is so, not fuck off because your audience will hear fuck off. You don't say back the fuck off because officers say, well, what did you hear? Well, she said fuck off three times. No, you don't want that. Plus you go into the gutter at that point. You lower your statue of language into the gutter. Okay. You say very clearly back off. And this is not from my throat. This is from my hara. Mm -hmm. This is from, remember in the class, it was so hard. It's so hard to teach women how to yell from their guts. Mm -hmm. And it's more than your guts because it's got nothing to do with my stomach. Right. But that's where you feel it. And that's where, that's where singers sing from. Mm-hmm. That's where people who speak to loud, big audiences, that's where they speak from. So that's where I teach women to yell from. Yeah. It's your it's your animal place. Yes. Oh, I like that. Okay, so you get out. Get out of the situation. Don't let the situation happen. What if you are caught unawares? What if you're walking and someone grabs you from behind? Well, that's why you need to come in and take the I class. know, <laughs> I know. Because especially without any visuals going mm-hmm. on here, yeah. it would be really difficult to just say to here's the other problem. I don't want somebody hearing this thinking that they could do that by just hearing this. Right. You have to come in. This is a visceral experience. You have to come in and feel somebody grab you. Yes. You have to feel somebody pinning you down or feel what it's like to hit something. You know, once women learn how to hit, they love it. They love it. They're like, oh my God, can I just come in and hit stuff? Sure. (laughs) Or I see, you know, yeah, it is. It is therapy. And people that have all this pent up ick, Mm-hmm. from whatever has infested them throughout their lives or their childhood need to get rid of that festering. Yeah. Come in and hit stuff. You know, you mentioned too, like once you do learn some of the basic skills, uh-huh. don't practice with your spouse or your partner. No. And why is that? Because it brings something into the partnership that should not be there. It brings in a physical challenge and inappropriate behavior. And no, no, no. And women will take the course, uh, the full course, and they'll go home and they'll say, oh, honey, pin me. Well, honey doesn't want to pin you. That's not his job. It, that is a very aggressive, weird thing. And if he does. Well, and if he does, yeah, you've got to now prove to him you can get out of it, but he's not going to let you because you'd have to hurt him to do it. So it's this horrible cycle that women Mm -hmm. then go, well, I couldn't get out of it when my, well, of course you couldn't get out of it. Your husband was 
and what was your husband doing? And so I have to go through the whole cycle again right. with him and go, don't play with this. You don't go to work and go, oh yeah, grab me to a coworker. That's inappropriate. Right. So if you want to practice, you come into an environment where that is practiced. Yes. Okay. Right. Yeah. It's really, really important. You don't mess around with this stuff because what I teach you works. Yep. And it can seriously mess somebody up. Even a little bit can mess somebody up. Have you ever had to mess somebody up? No. Awesome. <laughs> no, because you know what? I started my asshole repellent at 20. Ah, oh, fucking great. And it's like growing and growing and growing, right? It is. Yeah. And I feel it. Yeah. Good thing I'm not an asshole. <laughs> Thanks it for being is. open with That's me. That's exactly right. <laughs> um, so for the people who aren't local, who are national, who are all over the world listening right now, are there any things, thoughts you can give them, things they can do to start on this journey to not only first maybe self-preservation or healing and then self-protection? Um, I think one of the most incredible things is finding your voice. And I mean a voice that is not a mama voice. It's not a talk to your husband voice. It's not talk to the kitty and the puppy voice. Too many women talk up here, ba 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 ba, and the predator's not going to hear that. The predator's going to hear your roar, and if you, that's where you start. Learn how to roar. Learn how to be that that sound that cannot be ignored like get out there and go outside somewhere or in your house i guess or your car and roar and roar i mean i, I could totally <laughs> blow this <laughs> microphone oh my out, god man oh <clears throat> remember how loud i was oh, in yeah. the class you got us all going yeah wow okay um define boundaries that's another thing that everybody has to do on their own. And that's where we go back to this forced affection thing. It's like right there, you're skewing a person's boundary in such a fucked up way. Yeah. Right? It's like, if I can't trust me with affection, how can I trust me with any physical exchange with a, another human being, right? Because I have to trust me to trust you that you will be good to me and I will be good to you in intimacy, right? So that level of trust immediately in a child when they go, well, your feelings about touching me are more imp important than my feelings about you touching me then how can it ever be healthy, mutual, yeah. uh, you know, a healthy sexual relationship? Right. Yes. You know, so, so it kind of, it's one of the things that I think is the, the, at the bottom of so many barrels is that forced affection issue as children. Yes. And that not being in the ownership of my, my body. And my feelings. And my feelings and my voice and, you know, giving them a choice on how and who is touching them and helping them understand the difference between 
what a doctor has to do and what your, I don't know, Uncle your Johnny. coach is right, doing right. or, you know, whatever. But it starts with that, you know, don't be alone with somebody. You know what happens when people are alone. People are alone to not have what they're doing be in public. So an- another thing you teach your child, never go alone with anyone. Good one. Never be alone with anyone except me and your dad, you know, and you set those parameters. These are the people you can be by yourself with this person, but you don't go be alone with your friend You know, and this goes into teenhood. You know, hey, at your first let's get drunk party and people want to go be alone, what do you think's happening? (laughs) Come on. And you're volunteering. Oh, he wants to talk to me in his room. Yeah, let's talk to Mr. Bobo. (laughs) (laughs) Right? I mean, you know, boys have hormones too. We have to respect that whole developmental stage Mm -hmm. of their bodies and their brains and again because i adjusted it as a child i helped my child understand that if you don't want this don't let it happen and if you let a little bit happen a lot more can happen yep so you know it's that horrible guilt so many teens go through of well i only wanted this much but it happened this much so is that really sexual assault? Well, if it was against your will and you said no, but if I'm purring and rubbing up against you saying no, what message right. is happening here? Right. Okay. So if you're going to say no, do no. Don't don't stay there if you say no. Again, another way to set that up is you ask your child, do you want to go hug grandpa? Or, um, oh, here was, a, here was another one that I did with my kids. So when you're tickling, rubbing, hugging in their face, blah, 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 and they say stop, boom, I stop. Back it off. Totally. You know, you've got to know what stop means. Stop doesn't mean I continue until I'm done and I tease you and you're laughing and everything, but you say stop, man, I'm off of you like. Boom. Well, yeah done this is what stop means sweetheart this is what stop means wow okay and if somebody doesn't do that when you say stop then you've got to deal with it on a different level so many kids are uh pinned down against their will Mm -hmm. that's horrible somebody thinks it's funny and I'm terrified and I'm frustrated and I'm crying and you're laughing and so what that Pinner feels is that dominance and that control and that joy of having somebody terrified. What are we creating here? And this kid's going, leave me alone, let me up. And oh man, now we're starting two different dynamics in their personalities. Yep. Right? So that should never, ever be experienced. So when I'm all about loving you, baby, I get, when you say, mama, stop, boom, I stop. Yes. And then I don't begin, oh, well, I didn't mean stop. Well, then don't say that. 
Right. Because this is what stop means. You got to teach them. Yes. And that is so important in those young years. Because now when I get into being 14, 15, 16, and I really like this guy and I really don't want him to stop, but uh uh-oh, things are going beyond, there's where everything gets all right. Fakaka. Uh-huh. I, I got mean, it. And that is that is the career paths, right? So now you have somebody who gets whatever they want out of that and somebody who's damaged and has no idea what just happened. Poof, this guy goes, oh yeah, hey, I did this much. And yep. next time I might do this much and I got away with it there and you know. It's the idea of the career path that's so interesting. All right, so let's just flip it. We're almost done here, but let's flip it to, let's talk for a moment about kind of people who have been victims of any level here of having things happen to them that they didn't want to happen. Um, You've probably seen many, many, many over all these years. So what do you do? We, if, if I see someone who's just experienced something traumatic, if people, you know, listening have people in their lives, how can you help them to recover themselves? Well, there are so many paths to Rome, right? Like I mean, what are the first things you do psychologically for somebody when you see that damaged person walk in way of the crane? Um, usually they come in through Streetwise first. Okay. Because Streetwise is so incredibly um, altering. Okay. Um, And I think helping them through the uh, talk we do uh, pretty extensively at the beginning and that I will do at my new four-hour class is laying the groundwork of what a predator's modus operandi is. And then flags can start going up. If you don't have a track of identity, kind of, oh, that's this. And that was on the red flag list. And, oh, he's behaving or she's behaving like this. Oh, that's another flag. So you see two flags. You better start paying attention to this person on a completely different level, right? So giving women kind of markers to go, oh, that that is invasion. This is intimidation. This is manipulation and having them actually label and recognize, then I can do something about it. But as long as I'm sitting there going, I don't quite know what's wrong with this picture, but something's not right and I never feel comfortable or I don't feel like I can trust or I don't kind of get this. Yeah, I've got a way for you to go, I get this. I've got two flags here. Uh, maybe this relationship isn't worth my time. Yeah. Okay. So if you get more than two flags, you better start making some decisions. You know? Absolutely. So starting there, you know, everything starts with the way we think. If I cannot change my physical behavior without changing the thought pattern that goes along with it, And 
I think there, there's science to back this up, that if you want to get rid of a bad habit, don't do it for 60 to 90 days and you will decrease that habit. If you want to install something, do it for 60 to 90 days and it gets installed. So these are things we talk about. Shut the fuck up, which means stop damaging yourself in your own thought patterns. Like how many people damage themselves? Oh, my butt's not small enough and my tits aren't big enough or I'm not blonde enough or I'm not tall enough. Enough with enough. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? You are how you are because that's how you are. You know, start again, go, go love that stuff. Instead of constantly demeaning my own self-esteem through my own thought process. So again, that's where it starts is changing people's perspective of their place and their right in the world instead of the world telling them what that is. No, I'm telling the world what that is. And I think that's what that woman meant by her asshole repellent. I love that. Because the world didn't change. She changed in the world. Yes. And it was her asshole repellent, not some assholes (laughs) repellent. (laughs) Totally. Right? Yes. So again, it's that ownership of, of my, and that you have to begin. You can't just have somebody go out there and punch and kick with no real Uh, cognitive and connective tissue to that brain going, every time I hit this bag, I'm getting rid of one more person in my life that invaded me or violated me. You know, I'm doing it one more time and I'm doing it physically. I think therapy is great, but I get a lot of people that come in and go, oh my God, I just did like four years of therapy just by punching, kicking and yelling. Oh my gosh. I absolutely love this. Well, let's uh, let's let's wrap, start wrapping things up by just talking a little bit about the classes that are coming up here. Um, this episode will be out in the new year in twenty nineteen, and I think you have some cool things going on in Boulder. Yes. So what I'm going to do is um, every month I'm going to do that one hour free introduction. Awesome. That you took, mm-hmm. and then every month, if I have to do it more than once, I will but I will do a four hour class either on a Saturday or Sunday afternoon from noon to four. And it's for $150, four hours, and you will learn so much. If you wanna take more, there's more available, different levels of learning. But this first four hours, I think people will leave feeling fortified, emancipated, and really having the willingness to fight for themselves. Yes. See, I'm not fighting anybody else. I'm fighting for me. I'm not, I don't hate the predator. I don't know this guy well enough to hate him, but I love me. So you're trying to fuck with somebody I love and I'm not gonna let you do that. So, Baby steps. Baby steps. I love it. I'm going to sign up for one of these. I'll uh, I'll post on the show notes, wayofthecrane.com, right? Um, 
I'll let you guys know which one I'm going to. If you're local in Boulder, we got to make it a party. Yep, absolutely. 20 people per class. Got it. And um, I can always do more than, or any special groups. Yep, okay. Any kind of special groups. Oh, cool. Kids do a two-hour class. Smart. Yeah, so I teach anybody, all abilities, all levels. Yeah, and I saw even um, you've got some, you've done work with people with developmental disabilities. Absolutely. Really important. Yeah, great. Okay, cool. All right, so we've been running along for over an hour. Are you dying? It goes so fast. Oh, Um, yeah. So, Melanie, I'm going to end with the same question I ask every guest. And that is if you could just leave our listeners with one final piece of advice, one little nugget that will help them run their worlds in a bigger and better way, what would it be? Speak from your heart, believe your soul, and trust your body. Oh, strong. All right, let's wrap. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you. So what did I tell you? Are you totally fired up or what? Um, Melanie is obviously raw and gritty and she tells it like it is. She takes a long-term approach to finding and embracing your power. And I love that about her. Um, I just love her message. And especially, I love the concept of asshole repellent. (laughs) We could all use some of that at various times in our lives. But it's her final nugget that you need to hold close as you enter this new year. Speak from your heart, believe your soul, and trust your body. If you are in Colorado, you'll definitely want to explore the classes that Melanie offers at Way of the Crane. Um, In the short term, like very short term, she has a free intro class on Wednesday, January 9th from 6 to 7 p.m. And she's also taking enrollment for her four-hour workshop on January 27th from 12 to 4. So check those classes out. And if January doesn't work, then... Get on and check out the calendar on her website, wayofthecrane.com, or just reach out to her and ask. Uh, So check out the show notes for actual links to all of this stuff and more. And as always, thank you so much for giving me a long 5K of your time. Uh, If you have any recommendations for guests, feedback for me in general, questions, whatever, just let me know. I am here for you. All right, then. We're going to close out the first episode of 2019. You know what time it is. It's time to get out there and run this world. Have a great workout, and I'll see you next week.